people are either in denial and they're not addressing the thing that God really wants them to address. I've certainly found that to be true in my life. Or people are being far more critical and hard on themselves than God ever would be. Wow. Yeah. That's kind of big, Chris, because we expect God to judge us. Well, he does. He does judge us. But the thing is, we're not we're not listening to God's judgment. We're listening to our judgment or the judgment of others, and we mistake that for God's judgment. And here's the thing. God doesn't want us. You know, when Jesus says, uh, judge not, lest you be judged, uh, his whole point is, um, again, here's a Benjamin's paraphrase. I think Jesus is saying, look, you guys shouldn't judge each one another because you're really bad at it. Hey there, you're dialed into Reboots, featuring stories about people who have been forced to start over in life or in business, all walks of life, anonymous or named, high profile or low down, stories with heart, soul, and grit. Because knowing and sharing our stories is essential for living a life of joy, experiencing healthy relationships, and impacting the world around us in a positive way. Here's your host, Tracy Winchell. Episode R020 features another of my favorite human beings ever. Chris Benjamin and I have talked through a lot of topics over the years, like creativity, fitness. He's even helped me process grief. And in the meantime, we enjoy some nonsensical banter about culture and life now and again. What's cool about what you're about to hear is that This is a conversation. It's not so much an interview. Chris and I are enjoying the opportunity to just catch up, and it so happens that we were recording. In this episode, we talk a lot about grace, truth, and love, and Chris gives us some ideas for how to demonstrate that love for others. Here's a hint. There are events like the Tim Tebow Foundation's Night to Shine that can help us do that, as well as programs like Celebrate Recovery. And Chris shares a couple of his own reboots moments. Spoiler alert, he went to college thinking he was going to become a comics artist and the king of pop culture. Instead, he went into full-time service to the king of the world. Yes, Chris is a minister. And even if you're not sure about God, if you're certain you have doubts, keep listening anyway, would you? You might be surprised about what Chris has to say about how we just totally miss the mark with God sometimes. Heck, he even calls me a theologian. Me. Have a listen. Hey, Chris, thanks for inviting us into your life this afternoon. Thank you, Tracy. Hey, I want to know a little bit about your your work, about you. One of the things that I've always appreciated about you, I mean, we've known each other a long time, is that you have a heart for people, and that's all sorts of people, like in Bulgaria and literally across the street from your church and a lot of other places. Am I kind of, am I close there? Yeah, I think, I, yeah, I think so. Um we, in fact, we we have a phrase at West Ark that we use a lot. We talk about God's mission across the street and around the world. And I I think the reason why we say that is because we can't limit our love to one location. 
we have friends in other parts of the world. We have friends uh, right here in our neighborhood. So our our mission is not just to um, rack up attenders who are going to fill our building on a Sunday. Our mission is to share God's love, to to kind of preview that that fellowship that we believe is going to be a part of eternity, and um, and God just keeps drawing us into. Uh, places wherever he chooses. So it might be with the college, with UA Fort Smith across the street, or it uh, it might be down at the Hope Campus. Um, uh, it, it it may be anywhere in this state, but we've also had ties with people in uh, Bulgaria, in Ethiopia, in um, in Guatemala, and on, and the list goes on. And when you when you you alluded to across the street as as UA Fort Smith, um, talk about the Lions for Christ initiative and what that is and why that's so important to you. Yeah, sure. Um, I came to Fort Smith and the West Ark Church of Christ in November of two thousand three, and we were one year into West Ark was one year into a campus ministry because the the congregation there recognized that God had given this given us this opportunity being right across the street from the campus that we wanted to be we wanted to take the second greatest commandment to love our neighbor as ourselves and apply that to our friends at University of Arkansas Fort Smith and that meant students that meant faculty that meant anybody who's involved with the college across the street. And we, we looked at, well, and I, I got to say this, there were people at West Ark who had this vision long before I got there. So when, when I came in to be the preaching minister for West Ark and they said they had this campus ministry going, I was delighted because that's been a part of my, that's been a part of my life for a long time is growing closer to God and growing closer to others through campus ministry. Um, and I'll tell you why that matters to me. It's because I, uh, I went to the University of Arkansas Fayetteville um, in 86, and I found out about a group called the Razorbacks for Christ. And I came from a small town and a small high school and didn't know that there was such a thing got to know some of the people that were involved in that and just discovered all sorts of, uh, of new experiences. And the first thing that drew me in was I remember the campus minister saying, um, how would you like to go to Scotland this summer? And I said, oh, yeah, sure. You know, that's, that's a great idea. And, um, you know, but how's that going to happen? And uh, next thing I know, I found out that it is possible and that uh, people encouraged me to do so, and that summer trip to Scotland in 1987 was my first. Um, That's the first time I'd ever been on an airplane, and uh, that was the uh, certainly the first time I'd ever been out of the country. And I made friends in Scotland that had, that it, that those friendships and that love for those people continue to this day. But uh, I came back seeing the importance of of this thing that we call the, our campus ministry and of making friends. And, um, I met Karen, my wife, she came there as a student and got involved in this ministry. 
And after we, uh, after that, we moved to Texas. I uh, went to Abilene Christian University, where I um, earned my master's degree. Because one of the things that happened was this experience caused me to switch majors. But it was more than just switching majors; it was a one eighty in my life. I went from thinking that I was going to be um, the king of uh, pop culture and and comics and movies and everything else um, to deciding that, no, I had a different, I had a different uh, mission. God had a different mission for me. And I thought I was going to have to start all over again, a reboot. And um, instead it was, uh, well, let's say it was a, it was a soft reboot because what happened was I learned I could build on what I already did, get my master's in divinity but it was also a, a new start for Karen and I because we went to this place where we knew absolutely no one and we met friends that have been our friends forever and people who mentored us. And it it really and, and we had to rely on each other. So the two of us were starting uh, this new life, this reboot out in West Texas and um, getting prepared for four years to come back. And we came back to Russellville where I was hired as the campus minister at Arkansas tech university. And that's a ministry that's called the CCSC. And, you know, we were talking about recycled grace and how, you know, things that you send out to come back to you. Um, from 1994 to 1997, I was the campus minister at the CCSC, uh, loved my students there, and there's so many stories I can tell about all of them, but uh, one of them is my friend, um, Paul Kreitz, and, and you'll have to get me some time to tell you about him, and, 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 oh, and you talk about a reboot story. In fact, you may even want to talk to him about it, but he is now leading a ministry in Guatemala called Amor Sin Temor, which means love without fear. The other thing is that our current campus minister, Cade Richards, well, we have two campus ministers. We have Cade Richards and we have Sarah Rabb, and we just, we just hired her in August. Both of them came out of that CCSC ministry at Arkansas Tech a few years ago. So there I was from 94 to 97. I was followed by a guy named Chris Buxton, who did an amazing job with the ministry. Um, there was a fellow there named Neil Reynolds, who uh, did a great job, and, and they took it to a, a, le a certain level of growth. He was the campus minister for Cade and for Sarah, and now they're over here at Lions for Christ. Wow. And, yeah, and, and, and now my sons have gone through the lions for Christ ministry. So you see all this recycled grace and you see everything that, that God's doing to, and, and, and I'll tell you one of the things I've seen, Tracy, I've seen God redeem what I thought were my failures and turn them into something that has brought a blessing either to me or to others, uh, or just made the world a better place. And, and I, I'm just so thankful that I get to, that I've been able to stick around long enough to see some of that. Yeah. So what is your take on yeah. failure? I do think that failure is a teacher. I think that, um, 
failure is never ultimately failure if we grow from it and if we hand it over to God. I think that uh, God can define our story. Um, one of my firm convictions is that we we do not have to be defined by the mistakes that we make. And I've been preaching that and telling that to people for years. I do believe it. I know that I know that the hardest thing is not condemning ourselves about the mistakes that we've made. That's a true story. Yeah. Yeah. Many of us can be our worst critic. And, you know, this is where I love the fact that with all of your work and in reboots, uh, you're a great theologian. I got to say that. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. Maybe. It's true. It's true because you're, you're talking about God and that's all theology is. Um, Satan, the word Satan comes from a, um, a title of an official in the Persian court who was the accuser. And the accuser's job was to protect the Persian emperor from all enemies. And he would accuse people of things they had done wrong. But we understand now that the accuser, the spiritual accuser, is the one who is always wanting to define us by our failures, by our mistakes, by our sins. And there's this, I wish I could remember it right now, but there's this wonderful passage in Zechariah where, I'm just going to paraphrase it, the accuser is going into his accusations about Israel and the sin that they had committed, which caused them to go into exile. And then God steps up and says, no, accuser, I've heard enough from you. In fact, accuser, I'm accusing you. Oh, wow. Yeah. And that's the end of it. And it's very, it's kind of subtle in Zechariah, but that's my, that's Benjamin's paraphrase of, um, of Zechariah. But I, I think that what I want to encourage people to do is, Know the difference between the voice of God and the voice of the accuser, because we get those confused, especially when we feel like failures. And you know me well enough to know that there was a time in my life when I wouldn't have said what I'm about to say in response to that. Okay. I am finally convinced that the only way we can begin to figure out the voice between the accuser and God is through community. Yes. Yes, I agree with that. Okay, there's two passages. You said we need community. Okay, Jesus in Matthew 18 says, where two or three of you are gathered together, uh, I'm right there with you. Um, that's not the minimum requirements for a church worship service. What he's saying is that when there is a spirit of agreement and understanding between us uh, whether that is reconciliation or maybe it's encouragement, you know, like maybe we're telling a friend, you're not the failure you think you are. You can reboot. You can get, you know, you can get back in the game. Uh, Jesus is saying, I I'm going to sign on to that. I I'm going to, I'm going to endorse that. And Jesus says, whatever you uh, bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven, and I know there's a lot of different interpretations of what that means. I believe that it's saying 
um, if you if you want to make failure, either your failure or the failure of others, if you want that to be the final word, then um, it may as well be if that's that that's the final word from heaven. However, when we speak a word of forgiveness or when we speak a word of renewal or, or uh, a word of um, reconciliation, Jesus is saying heaven will sign on to that and support that. So there's, there's a deeper Bible study uh, beyond what I just gave you right there, but that's the simple take that I think that it's important to recognize that when we forgive and when we reconcile and when we redeem that that's that makes your point. That's the community being involved in understanding the difference between the voice of the accuser and the voice of God. We can choose to be miniature accusers or we can choose to reflect the glory of God. Wow. And, and none of that stuff is easy. Mm -mm. No, it's not easy, but it's right. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about the types of communities, even beyond Lions for Christ, that West Ark Church of Christ is working to build and expand upon. Um, For instance, um, as as this episode airs, West Ark will be right in the middle of participating in an enormous global event that is also deeply personal. It's the Tim Tebow Foundation's Night to Shine. Tell me about that. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, this is going to be our second per, second year for of participating in the Night to Shine. Um, and I think it's the fourth year that this event has taken place globally. The um, Last year, and I, and I want to, oh, there's so many people that are involved in this, but I've got to give credit to Jordan and Meredith Brown and Dina Jenkins. Um, Jordan was the one to first be inspired by this. And I'll tell this story. Last year, well, it was really 2016, he, um, he came to me and he said, hey, um, I just want you to know that I heard about this event going on in Northwest Arkansas called uh, night to shine. It's a, it's a prom event, a celebration for uh, people with special needs and their families. He said, I went ahead and signed us up to it and they need the, uh, uh, pastors and there's big air quotes, quotes going on here, big air quotes, pastors signature. He said, so I'm just going to ask you for your signature. He said, don't worry. We probably won't be selected. Wow. And I said, that's fine, Jordan. If we're not going to be selected, then sure, I'm all for it. And um, so I, I signed the papers and went on. Um, then we got selected. <laughs> and uh, I said, now now you've got to live up to this, Jordan. And, and so we, you know, we asked people to join us. We asked people to get involved. God provided. And here's what um, I love about Night to Shine. Night to Shine is what I call a glimpse of the upside down kingdom of God. That, you know, when, when you read things that Jesus says that the kingdom is going to be different than what we expect, not just the kingdom to come, but the kingdom now, um, that the first will be last and the last will be first, that 
those that we consider uh, strong and powerful and wise are really not uh, so strong and powerful and wise in terms of the kingdom. And it's it's not just to humble the powerful and exalt the you know the the overlooked, but it, it's more than that. It's that there are different values in the upside down kingdom that. Things that we may overlook or take for granted or assume are important or things that we may give lip service to and say, oh, yeah, you know, charity and taking care of one another is really good. When honestly, our actions tend to show that we're dedicated to uh, greed and self-service. At Night to Shine, you see those values on full display. The event uh, embodies those values. So. um the, the, the people ages 14 and up who have special needs, who come to be our royal guests, we serve at that point. And by the way, this isn't just West Ark. West Ark hosts it, but we invite everybody to come and be a part of it. And uh, before the event and after the event, we invite people in to help us and to be a part of it. Last year, after the event was over, I was talking to some of our uh, leaders and we were just all tired. We were physically tired, but we were emotionally and spiritually refreshed. And I noticed that none of this event was about us. And we weren't asking the questions that we normally ask after event. We, we weren't worried about how many people showed up. We weren't worried about whether or not people enjoyed it. It was obvious that people enjoyed it. We weren't even worried that, you know, did we meet the expectations of this group? Did we meet the expectations of this group? Was anybody upset? Was anybody? No. The whole thing was pure joy, and we all felt uplifted. And none of this energy went towards serving ourselves. It all went to serving other people, and because of that, we were blessed. I, I'm, I'm feeling like words just can't even explain it. And so I would invite anyone, come and see what it's like. Lord willing, we're going to do this even a third year. So, yes, we want people involved with us. Yeah, I, I want to continue down this vein just a, a little bit farther. I, mm-hmm. I was there and I was, uh, my role was to be part of the paparazzi. My job was to just cheer the kings and queens yeah. getting out of their limos and taking a ride on the red carpet or a walk on the red carpet, whatever was appropriate. And I, I'm going to concur with you, Chris, because I couldn't tell which faces were beaming the most. The people yeah. who were there to serve or the kings and queens walking that red carpet. I There was no difference. I mean, I, I think. Yeah you could probably see the glow from outer space. It was amazing. Yeah. It wasn't an us or them event. And uh, I was blessed by the people I talked to. I've got, I've got two stories that I remember uh, from that event. One was um, there was a fellow there. He was one of our honored guests and um, he's probably a few years older than I am. And and the first digit of my age starts with a five and he, um, he was there and, and I think he was there with his sister, maybe, but um, I didn't know him. He didn't know me. And uh, he and you know, everyone that comes uh, has what we call a buddy. They, they uh, their buddy is their um, 
their friend, their, their companion for the evening. And, uh, and that's our greatest need right now is buddies. So even if this show is airing on February 6th, I guarantee you there's time. Sign up, fsnighttoshine.org. Come be a buddy. He wasn't my buddy, uh, but every time I would see him throughout the night, we would talk about motorcycles. Mm. And uh, he told me about his motorcycle when I first saw him. He came to the to the shoe shine station, and I was there working at the shoe shine. Um, it's not easy to say. And uh, we he first mentioned the motorcycle, and then I would bump into him again. He would tell me another fact about the motorcycle. And here's the thing: I wasn't just being patronizing. I love talking about motorcycles and it was great. And I loved his conversation about motorcycles. And so I would tell him about motorcycles that I used to own. And we just talked about motorcycles and it was a blessed thing to talk about motorcycles. Um, there was another moment where uh, one event we do is we have people in line and they wait to get into the, the limo. We have a limo that picks them up at the front door uh, the limo goes around. They they ride in the limo. It's a you know, it's a party limo. They come up to the red carpet, which is where the paparazzi are, and then they come in to cheers. They come in. Their name is announced. Uh, they get interviewed. Uh, it's the royal treatment. But there was this huge line of people waiting to get into the limos, and thank God the 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 weather was just beautiful that night. And since everybody was waiting, now I'm in ordinary kingdom of this world mode, which tells me people who have to wait are going to be dissatisfied. So I go walking up and down the line, talking to people just to kind of keep things chill and casual. Nobody's bothered. They're all talking. So I strike up a conversation with uh, one young lady and and I said, uh, hey, what's been your favorite thing tonight? She said, waiting in line for the limo. And I said, yeah. I said, do you like the limo? And she goes, no, I like waiting in line for the limo. I said, oh, you like actually being here waiting in line. She goes, yeah, this is my favorite. And there's the values of the kingdom, which is gratitude and happiness and joy and enjoying the moment. And, you know, who now who taught who? You know, I had nothing to say. I was just like, well, yes, I'm enjoying this moment also. And uh, wow. Those are some of my stories from Night to Shine. So we've we've talked a little bit about what the experience is like. You've mentioned the shoe shine. So uh, the kings and queens get their shoe shine, shoes shined. What else? What else happens before they get to wait in line for the limo and before they have to ride yeah. the limo? And then just walk me through exactly what a king and a queen experience. Sure, it would be. I'll give you the, the kind of the run through and understand that there are ways for people to serve at every point along this route. So they show up before the event. The event starts at 6 p.m. They show up before and they get the royal treatment. It's like they're going uh, to the royal banquet, the royal ball. And uh, for the young women, they get the um, they can have their hair done, their makeup. Um, we've even got formal wear for them that they can pick up in advance. Uh, so, so they'll come and they'll be, um, you know, they, we call it the royal treatment. They get, they get all of the, the best care and all the, you know, it's fun. It's a lot of fun. So the guys come in and they go to the shoe shine. Okay. And that's their part of the, I guess you'd call it the, the royal treatment before the event. 
They also go through a crowning ceremony. We have some get um, some VIPs. Uh, last year we had Miss Teen Arkansas. I think this year we've got Miss Arkansas and Miss Teen Arkansas. Uh, we had someone with um, the military for the the men, and they get their royal crown. And there's a you know sort of a small crowning ceremony that makes all of this just so wonderful. Okay, then they get their picture made, and uh, at this point, they've got options. They can they can branch out. They can go to the um, the main room, the gymnasium, where there's uh, the prom, the DJ, and we've got food. Uh, people just are enjoying themselves there at the party. But we've also got the karaoke. They can go to that and they can uh, have fun there. Or they can go and get in line for the limo and come around for the paparazzi. I'm told that some people ride that limo two, three times and just keep coming down the uh, the, the red carpet. Uh, and I, I know I would if, they, if they'd let me. But we also have things going on. Uh, we have a respite room. Some people just need to take a break. We've got a sensory room. For people who may need that, who who uh, need to get away from the lights and the sound, we've got. We also, oh, our respite room is also for the the parents or the caregivers of our kings and queens. That we understand that sometimes they don't get a break and they don't get any respite or rest. So we're telling them, look, you, we want you here. We want you to come too. We want you to just relax. Go join your um, your family member if you want, your child. But at the same time, we're going to give you a break, too. And we get to love on them. And there's good people there ready for that. I think we had a movie room also. But they get options. And I love that. They uh, So they go through the royal treatment. They get their picture made. And then they have options. And then the evening wraps up. And we um, we usually get a video message from Tim Tebow. And... Um, and everybody just enjoys themselves, and then we look forward to next year. And the way he's got this set up, or the way the foundation has got this set up, I think last year he started the whole week, um, like the night before, in Puerto Rico or the Dominican Republic or somewhere. And so he he's mm-hmm. like on a plane hitting as many of these nights to shine as possible. How remarkable yeah. is that? Oh yeah. And I, you know, I don't really know how that part works. Uh, we have, I'll tell you what I love about the Tim Tebow foundation. We have a, um, they assign to each one of the churches that do this, they assign a representative and our, our representative Brooke, she was with us last year. She's with us this year is, is the sweetest person I know. She's just fantastic. And anytime that we need a word of encouragement or some help with something, we call her. And um, but they are they are on our side and they're making this work. As I understand it, um, the way this started is that uh, Tebow had, uh, you know, he set up his foundation. He wanted to do good things. And the director of the foundation said, uh, hey, there's this church that wants to do this uh, special prom event for uh, children with special needs. What do you think? And he said, it sounds like a good idea, but. Let's do it everywhere. And they said, for real? And he was like, yeah, let's just do it everywhere. <laughs> you know, and, and from there it grew. And, it, and 
we've been blessed this year that we know that one of our fellow churches in Waco uh, is going to be doing this. This is their first year to do it. And they saw what we did last year, heard about it and asked us for best practices. We just shared whatever we had. um, And, and I'm excited to see them do this. The, um, the other thing is, is it's created connections in the Fort Smith community that, remain and continue with groups like boast and arc of the river valley and we've uh, we've made new friends because of this and and we're working with other churches too uh central christian has been a part of this um i, I hate giving giving lists because i'm going to forget someone but thankfully this is where you can go to fsnighttoshine.org and see all the people who've been a part of it and i I really am serious. I just want everybody out there to to know that, hey, yeah, you can come and be a part of this. So. And one of the things that I want to include in the show notes, I'll have to look this up too, is um, developing a hash is is to share the hashtag that yeah. if for whatever reason you can't come, man, they're the, they'll hashtag the heck out of uh, all of the photos globally oh, yeah. as well as um, here in Fort Smith. And it will be beautiful. So even those who either physically are unable or just from a scheduling standpoint uh, or a geographical standpoint can't participate in Night to Shine, it will be really easy to follow the entire global event on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook. So that hashtag will be be a fun deal. So everybody gets to participate. At this event, I and others, we were following the social media feeds and the hashtags during the event. And we would see our own and then we would see it from all over the world. And that was a way of feeling that connection to everyone. And, uh, Oh, what a lot of fun that is. So let's shift gears to another new initiative at West dark on the reboots podcast. We talk recovery about half the time. Tell me about what Celebrate Recovery has meant just in, you started January 1st, and um, your numbers are crazy good, especially for a brand new, brand new group. What is, what, is the, what is the purpose of participating in Celebrate Recovery, and what changes have you seen so far? Well, I appreciate hearing that about the Celebrate Recovery at West Ark Church of Christ. You know, we started on January 1st of this year, of 2018, but in some ways, this has been a work that is at least 10 years or more in the making. Um, and it has been, it has been an experience of all of us involved being obedient to God, um, we used to have a ministry at West Ark called Overcomers Outreach. And um, that happened when we, we had some people who were working to overcome addictions. And this ministry got started. We, we supported it. We invested in it. We weren't sure how to do any of this. But it was a good effort. It was off to a good start. And then it, it lived its life cycle and, um, and things changed. Now, 
throughout that, we were learning from others who were involved in similar programs. And this is where I made the uh, connection with Ed Saucier at uh, Community Bible, found out that they had been doing Celebrate Recovery. I had heard about Celebrate Recovery. I have some um, colleagues who are involved in Celebrate Recovery. I mentioned my friend uh, Paul Kreitz, who's in Guatemala. He uh, was involved in Celebrate Recovery programs in San Francisco before he went to uh, Guatemala. And uh, he told me about the value of a ministry like that. And I, and I think here's, here's one common thread that everyone tells me about it. They say Celebrate Recovery is really just the church of God in action. It, it's, you know, it's biblical principles, it's biblical living, it's biblical action, it's people practicing and living grace and redemption. You even said recently it's sanctification. Amen to that. That's true. Um, oh, I didn't say that. That was either um, that was either Henry Cloud or John Townsend at a summit event. So I didn't invent that. Oh, okay. Well, all right. I'm going to take your points back then. Um, <laughs> yeah. But and here's another God moment where we were at a leadership retreat in. Um, oh, is it? I'm getting my years mixed up. It was either 2016 or 2017. But as we were talking, a couple of our elders said, you know, we need to be involved in a Celebrate Recovery. They had heard enough about it at this point. They, uh, One of our elders, um, Ted Knight, was for many years the, uh, the drug court judge in Poto, Oklahoma. In fact, he, he got the program started there. And they just knew the value of something like this. And we'd all heard about it and we knew others that had been involved in it. And we knew that we were being led to this, but we weren't exactly sure what it would all involve. So when I was, some other people that I I would have to mention in part of this growth, this development of CR, Larry and Donna Roper, and there's something interesting about the way um, they came to be a part of this. They were members at West Ark and then they moved to Texas and then they, well, they moved back to our area, and then this got started, and we had some other leaders join in. And, th- and that's an important part of the process is to have those people who will lead it. But again, it's just like Night to Shine. You, can't, you don't really have much of a distinction between who's leading it and who's serving and who's participating and benefiting. That, that's where I think the kingdom mixes it all up, and we're just all serving one another in a godly way. But there's this there's this moment where when Larry and Donna were living in Texas, they came to visit us and I saw them and they saw some of the materials that Ed had put on that Ed had given me. These materials were on the shelf in my office and they said, oh, CR, Celebrate Recovery. You know, we're involved in that in Texas. Are you all doing that here? And I said, no, not yet. And they said, well, what's it going to take? And I said, it's going to take Larry and Donna to move back to this area. And I was just kind of joking around, and then it happens. <laughs> CR has only been meeting at West Ark. Gosh, it's not even a full month as we record this. Um, there's still one more Monday left in January. Mm-hmm. Do you see any difference in the the culture of the the church Yet, or do you anticipate that 
maybe there will come a change. Um, Ed and I have talked about this over and over, and his sense is that in many cases, Celebrate Recovery begins to change the culture of a church because Celebrate Recovery begins to help teach people in the church how better to love one another. Mm. This is a, I love this question um, because I'm thinking about it from our perspective and our journey in this. From my perspective and West Ark's perspective, I think it's a, I think it's a chicken or the egg question. Um, which came first? We are involved in Celebrate Recovery right now because of the way that our church is growing in God's grace and learning to be more and more obedient. And that led us to say we need to have a Celebrate Recovery. And now because we're in Celebrate Recovery, we're learning how to practice God's grace and be a part of it which is leading us to be a more obedient and you know, grace-filled church, which is what was already happening to us. So you see what I'm saying? It's a chicken and egg. It's like it's both and. Um, it, for us, for, for, for us at West Art, this has been a, we don't know which came first. We're, it's all part of the growth in God's spirit that we're experiencing. And yes, I think it, I think the, the grace flows both ways that CR is blessing our church culture and the growth in our church culture has made CR possible and is blessing it. Um, and I just love standing at the intersection of these two things and, and watching it, watching it work seamlessly. In fact, some of the things that we say in Celebrate Recovery, I keep thinking, this is really what I want to say every Sunday morning, like, keep coming back. You know, it, today may not have been everything that you expected it to be. This meeting may not have been everything that you expected it to be. This worship service may not be everything you expected it to be, but keep coming back. And, um, you know, we only fail when we quit. Uh, we only fail if we don't get back up again. I can say that on Monday night at Celebrate Recovery. I can say that on Sunday morning, and it's just as true. Every truth that I would speak on a Monday night at Celebrate Recovery is the exact same truth that I would speak on Sunday morning in a worship service or preaching. So for me, there's kind of this seamless uh, interaction between the two, and it's just it's just a miracle to watch. Yeah, it's pretty special. Yeah. Hey, tell me um, your observations about reboots. You have been ministering to people. You've been teaching people a long time. You have helped me a long time. So people will tell you things that they don't want anybody else to know. And along the way, my guess is you have you have begun to understand um, what happens when someone is forced to reboot a life or a career. Are there any common traits that you 
can see in a successful reboot that other people can say, hey, I'm in the midst of a reboot and maybe I need to grab onto that thing? Hmm. That's a good question. I think honesty is one common thread I've seen in stories of change. Um, People learn to be honest with themselves, with God, with other people. Sometimes we have a um, kind of a candy stick version of God that he um, he's the great grandpa in the sky that gives us whatever we want and bad things aren't supposed to happen. Or he's the big bully in the sky and he's always trying to um, chastise us, criticize us, beat us up. And when people reach that moment of honesty with God, they I always, I've told many people, find your psalm that you're going to have to borrow a prayer. You can't just use your everyday prayer. And the psalms express uh, joy, frustration, anger, disappointment with God. And it's right there. It's our, it's our language. It lets us fake it until we make it. But it keeps us in communication with God. Honesty is one common thread. I think the other one is that we we learn that our failures our failures may become part of our story, but they do not have to define us. Um, I tell you another thing that I see a lot of is that people learn to love themselves. Um, it's it's been my experience that a lot of people who've been through a reboot period are they're they're hard on themselves and you know the the second greatest commandment is love your neighbor as yourself um you have to learn to be kind to yourself you have to learn to to love yourself. And I think we learn that by learning how much God loves us. Yeah. I've been in a season right now where I'm, I'm learning to be very grateful about the people who've been my teachers and mentors. And one of them early on taught me this lesson. He said, it's none of your business, what other people think. And, and people who have been around me, know that I say that all the time. Um, but I have, I can't remember why I struggled with that statement. Uh, when my, when my teacher told me that I can't remember what it was that I objected to because now I think it's nothing but true. It really isn't my business. What other people think. And that leaves it to me to just do the right thing. And, and my verse on that is 1 Corinthians 4, where Paul says, I care very little whether I'm judged by you, the Corinthians, or by any other human court. And again, this is Benjamin's paraphrase, but it's pretty close. And uh, he says, I care very little how you judge me. And I think that means not only their criticism, but their praise. And he said, uh, but that doesn't make me innocent. He says, I don't even judge myself. I don't know of anything I've done wrong. But he says, even that doesn't make me innocent. 
And he says, what God thinks of me is what matters. And if God wants us to change something, we have to pay attention to that. And if God says we're okay, we have to pay attention to that. And usually when I'm working with people, one of the things I find is people are either in denial and they're not addressing the thing that God really wants them to address. I've certainly found that to be true in my life. Or people are being far more critical and hard on themselves than God ever would be. Wow. Yeah. That's kind of big, Chris, because we expect God to judge us. Well, he does. He does judge us. But the thing is, we're not we're not listening to God's judgment. We're listening to our judgment or the judgment of others and we mistake that for God's judgment. And here's the thing, God doesn't want us you know, when Jesus says uh judge not lest you be judged. Uh his whole point is um Again, here's a Benjamin's paraphrase. I think Jesus is saying, look, you guys shouldn't judge each one another because you're really bad at it. You don't know what you're doing. You know, uh, it's like telling someone, hey, look, uh, you know, I'll, I'll you you sit in the passenger seat because you're a really bad driver. And I don't want to I don't want to go anywhere with you. I think Jesus is saying you people really don't do judgment very well at all. Uh, so we got to we got to fire ourselves from that position and and just trust that God judges us and like Job says the judge of all the earth will do right. Oh. Uh, yeah. Goodness. Yeah. Wow. On that, I I want to I want to wow. <laughs> it's hard it's going to be hard to top that one. I I I want to go back to the career you thought you were going to have. You are an incredible artist. And one of the cool things about getting to hear one of your sermons is that pretty often you draw custom art for your slideshows. (laughs) How do you... How does that how does that creativity work? How often do you get to practice the art side of creativity versus creating things that you write and sermons and things like that? If if I ever uh, make a name for myself in this world, which uh, I, I don't plan to, that was the that was the older plan. I want you to be my publicist because you made that. Sounds so much better than it really is. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, there you are judging yourself again. No, no, uh-uh. oh, I, I don't <laughs> trust me. I don't have to judge myself on that. No, let me let me set the record straight. But I do appreciate everything you're saying. Um, I don't get to do art as much as I like, uh, but I do. I I am trying to find creative outlets and a very good friend. Uh, who's one of my counselors, teachers, mentors, told me that I had better keep a creative outlet in my world, whatever it is, whether it's drawing or woodwork or uh, poetry, just whatever it is. Because if I don't, uh, there's a there's a part of my being and my soul that withers. And I think that's helped with the sermons. Now, the, the truth of the matter on the I, – I, I love it that you remember the 
um, the art comic strip story. And that was, that was kind of a callback to my previous calling in life. Uh, what I thought was my previous calling when I was a, um, you know, when I was a teenager, even when I was a little kid, I was all, I wanted to be, I wanted to be a comic book artist. I wanted to be the next Jack Kirby. And anyone who's a comic book nerd will understand what that name means. I wanted to be the guy that invented the characters that now you see on the movies, Iron Man, Captain America, Thor. I wanted to be that. I wanted to be the person who created all that. And so I went with my, and I, Hey, I actually consider my art talent to be mediocre and I'm not judging myself. I'm, I'm happy with my artistic ability and where I'm at. And, um, but I mean, I see some other artists out there and I'll tell you, uh, my sons have more artistic talent than I do. Even they, they are both storytellers extraordinaire. Um, uh, and, and they are the ones that challenged me a few years ago to, they said, what is going on with the book of judges? <laughs> and I said, what do you mean? And they said, there are some weird stories in the book of judges. Now, okay, here's the other part of this. And they knew this when I was graduating from the university of Arkansas in, um, 1990, my senior art project was to take a story from the book of judges. I, I determined this, no, no one there, you know, made me do this. I determined it, but I took a story from the book of judges and turned it into a uh, graphic narrative. Uh, a comic strip is, is what I did. And there were no words. It was just all pictures, but I was trying to do visual storytelling. And the story I took was uh, from judges chapter three, the story of Ehud, which is, it's a gruesome story. And it's the kind of story that, you know, when you're 21 something years old, you know, you're like, this is great. And it just made for a good comic book. <laughs> so I had that artwork. My sons had seen that and they said, why don't you do something like that again? And and they were saying, what are these weird stories? I remember my younger son said, what is up with Samson ripping open a lion and honey coming out of it? Uh, and I remember both of them. My sons are also great theologians and I love talking with them and they um you know they're adults now but they they said um they said yeah it's stories like that that make people not believe in the bible and uh and they're being they're being kind of humorous at the same time but i said i know what you mean so i thought why can't we preach judges and i couldn't remember the last time i'd ever heard sermons on the book of judges and i thought this is crazy so i went with the angle to to do what I had done in 1990, which is to create a uh, a graphic narrative to accompany the sermon, and I tell you, if I'm going to do that again, all other things have to go by the wayside. It was hard work, but it was just what I needed at the time because it was allowing that other creative part of my soul to do its work because everything I was doing up until then was uh, word-based proposition based. You know, I hadn't thought about this before Tracy and I'm glad you asked me this. That may have been 
my reboot in preaching was doing that project because I was starting to get a little burned out. And so thankfully my sons challenged me to do that. In fact, they, well, I'm not the only one that did artwork for that. Uh, they did too. My older son, Wyatt is an illustrator and he did some of the illustrations for that. And, um, and Ethan contributed to, a, that's my younger son. He contributed to the stories. So it, it was, it was kind of it was somewhat a collaborative effort, but boy, it, it changed my work week every week and was different. But I think I hadn't thought about that before, but it was a, it was an important turning point in things. And so I can't do that every week. Uh, there's no way the, the time involved is um, cause you have to, draw it and then you have to because i'm my own art department you have to draw it you have to ink it you have to scan it you have to color it you have to do all of this um you know different work and and then um and then you got to attach a sermon to all that somehow but i also had a new appreciation for what the book of judges meant because every sermon you preach I knew here was the other thing. I knew that this couldn't just be a Bible study that that's the difference between preaching and teaching. Uh, I can teach Bible. I can tell you about the time period. I can tell you some things, tell you some facts and that's great. And that's good knowledge and it has its place. But in preaching, you have to go a step further and ask the, so what question. And so I had to take these ancient stories, you know, like we were joking around. It's like, what is this stuff? You know, why do lions have honey in them? And we had to ask the so what question. What did this mean? And I was amazed. And I hope that people who listen to the sermons were amazed. Judges. Judges is describing us right now at this time and place right now. I mean, I don't, I think it always probably has described humanity in some way, but some of the stuff we've been talking about on this episode are, I mean, it's about reboot. It's about entire nation <laughs> over and over again wow. is what happens. And, um, and rebooting people who, you know, Samson, Samson's the ultimate reboot. Um, Joker's got all the strength that God, you know, ever gave anybody. And he, blows it and then God reboots him and he saves Israel. Hmm. Is there a place where, uh, it, it, are, are those sermon, is that sermon series online anywhere? Yes, it is at westark.org. And beyond that, I, I don't know how. It's okay. Yeah. We'll put it in the notes. We'll put the yeah. exact address, but it's, it's ultimately going to be at westark.org. Okay. Yeah. That's pretty awesome. Well, thanks. Yeah. Well, I'm grateful for you, Chris. Thank you so much. And thank you for taking time to to visit with me and our Reboots listener. All right, Tracy. Love you. Thank you. Bye-bye. <laughs> okay. So if you doubted my opening statement about how this episode is more of a conversation than an interview, that right there is proof I ended up lopping off the last 15 minutes or so because we drifted off into some personal topics and I never really formally closed the interview. I, I, I forgot I was being a podcast host right there. 
So, wrapping up that part of the conversation, for sure, in the show notes at rebootspodcast.com forward slash episode 20, there are no spaces there, you're going to find links directly to Chris's preaching series with all of the comic books. It is so good. We've also got links to more of the stuff that we talked about. Thank you, Chris, for providing those for us. Also, you're going to want to check out the media posts about Night to Shine. Instagram is especially rich in joy and lots of smiles and love. Here's how you do that. Hashtag Night to Shine, N-I-G-H-T-T-O-S-H-I-N-E. That'll get you images from all over the world for Night to Shine, not just this year, but previous years. Now, if you want to just see what's happening in Fort Smith, Arkansas at Night to Shine, that's easy too. Hashtag Night to Shine, FS, for all of the Fort Smith posts. The 2018 event, as we record and release this, is just a few days away. It's February 9th. It's what would have been my parents' 55th wedding anniversary. How cool is that? My mom and I are going to be rocking with the kings and queens, along with hundreds of volunteers who have no idea, really, by the end of the night that we've just volunteered because we have been blessed. If all goes well in the next several days after the event, we're going to share some audio from Night to Shine as a Reboots Extra. I'm Tracy Winchell, and we'll see you next time. Dale Valente. We hope this episode has helped you in some way. If so, we'd love to hear from you. Maybe someone you care about might benefit from the Reboots Podcast. It's easy to share from our website, RebootsPodcast.com. The Reboots Podcast is a production of Winchell Storyworks Incorporated, a company dedicated to helping businesses and individuals know, share, and live their stories in order to impact the world around us in a positive way and to achieve financial freedom. 